meeting at the Alameda Health System Care for the Homeless Co-Applicant Board meeting for Tuesday, March 10th, 2020 to order at 
many of our partners think about homelessness and what its causes and solutions are. Um, and um, and then just really excited to be working with Heather and David and you know folks on the team here. I've, I've always really loved uh, the people that work on homelessness in Alameda County, and um, the chance to be back working with those folks is another thing that kind of drew me drew me back to being here. So um, I don't have any particular. I've only been on staff now for two weeks. Um, a lot of you know what we've been talking about is. Um, Coronavirus just in the last uh, the last couple of weeks, I've kind of been thrown right into that and thinking about some of that. Um, and I look forward to um, in about two or three months' time, really having a more formal report for you all of an assessment of where the program is, <coughs> how we're sort of thinking about the mobile health service, how we're thinking about how people who are experiencing homelessness, whether it's just a short bout of homelessness or chronic homelessness, are experiencing our ambulatory care system overall. And then really also thinking about what's going on Alameda Health System wide outside of just the homeless health center and also what's happening in the community. So I kind of want to report back to you guys my perspective um, after three months of assessment as a medical director on those three lanes. Um, and I, but I'm you know I'm very open to other things, other places. You guys direct my energy and attention. Obviously, want to make sure that um, that we're really um, driving the agenda that you all have. Absolutely, yeah. So um, Heather, you know, obviously is setting up everywhere I need to be set up. And then on the Alameda Health System side, I report to Paula, who's connected me with everyone I need. So I attended this week a meeting with Catherine and Paula and all of the ambulatory care right. council. Um, so I've had yeah, full access everywhere. Um, Paula's made sure that I'm going to be able to meet with um, the CEO, with Del Vecchio, with, um, you know, with Tangerine, the head of population health, too, just in terms of the system-wide issues. So I feel like I have everything I need right now in terms of access to people, access to data information, and support, support. and the support that I need. That's important. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome. Um, I'm, I'm Derek Sue. I am actually homeless, and I uh, operate one of the sanctioned camps here in Oakland. So I'm looking forward to working with you. I'm directly on the front line with uh, people. I was just, I'm still housed right now, but uh, this weekend I'm ending up back on the street. Uh, my roomie uh, is gracious enough to allow me to stay in this uh, apartment temporarily while I'm looking for housing. But uh, he's an at-risk person because of his health issues. And so he voiced his concerns to me this morning about the coronavirus. And I'm talking to the folks directly on the front lines in the camps. I visit most of the camps here in Oakland, so if you want the temperature of the camps, I'm there. And if you want to visit the camps, I will personally introduce you to people in the camps. That's fantastic. So definitely be reaching out to you to get some uh, some of those contact information. Yeah. And we're, um, it's a good good point, good opportunity to mention that we're really staying in close touch with um, the Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Folks who have a shelter health program have an outreach program and are obviously closely connected to our county health officer who's really guiding the county-wide response outside of healthcare facilities um, and so because you know for healthcare for the homeless you know our our work inside of Alameda Health System is blended with the community really closely it's important for us to stay in touch on the you know health system side with what the policies and procedures 
procedures are for um, prevention and control here, but I think in the camps, um, in the homeless shelters, it's really important that the public health guidance is, um, is guiding our response to coronavirus there. So um, just want to make a plug for David and the work that he's doing and the work that the county's doing. Yeah, that's One last thing, I'm also running for Oakland Mayor in 2022. <laughs> oh, okay. Good so, to know. So yeah. you're, you're uh, talking directly to a candidate. Right on, good to know. Um, I did have another question uh, real quick. Um, I asked Heather this, and uh, I, I know it's uh, very complicated, but I was just curious that um, given the coronavirus situation, um, can you just give us an outline, it doesn't have to be uh, uh, detailed, about uh, what you guys have been thinking about in terms of the homeless population that's served here, uh, because they're uh, more of what's considered one of the more at-risk groups before you answer. So here's one thing that I just want to remind you that it's important to go to uh, California because Tony Brown, again, we cannot expand our discussions beyond Arizona. I know you put it on the agenda. I know, however, I do understand that this is a, an issue of concern to the community, which I'm inclined to say we can certainly provide a summary, but again, the purpose of the Brown is to give the public an opportunity for them to hear these issues, to be involved and to opine on matters of public concern. That's just correct. But more than welcome to. Yeah, so I'll keep, I'll keep my response contained then. I think, you know, within Alameda Health System, um, the response is really guided by our infection control policies and gets consistent with, you know, the, the, um, the CDC guidance. We're identifying who's a high risk suspect, who's a lower risk suspect, and we're responding appropriately. I think the challenges for um, people experiencing homelessness, which we have yet to experience for a clinical case that I'm aware of, are going to be, um, if someone needs to be isolated, if you know we need to have follow-up, how do we arrange that follow-up in light of people's housing situation, which could definitely add some complication there. And for that, our program standing by, our case management resources are standing by to figure that out as needed on a case-by-case basis. I know you talked a lot about this when, when we chatted. I was wondering if you wanted to let the board know what the top three Yeah, I mean, my assessment, I really want to focus on um, on what data we have um, to understand who is experiencing homelessness in our system to the best of our ability to understand that right now. Um, and then how does the care that that group of people is receiving compare to the care that other folks are receiving overall? And I think within that area, um, really understanding accessibility of care. Um, what, is, what does access really mean for people who are experiencing certainly of interest to our program, right? Um, and then I really want to understand the experience that clinicians are having, you know, responding to um, responding to those needs. So not just the data, but what's the actual experience on the front lines inside of our inside of our system here. Um, and then, uh, you know, I'll definitely take Derek up on his invitation and working with um, Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless. I think the situation in the three years that I've been away has changed a lot. First homeless count, and then a huge increase in the second homeless count coming up. So, at least a you know 50 to 60 percent increase in homelessness from the time that I was here, and that means there are different people that are living on the streets. Um, so I really want to try to get a, a sense of street homelessness as well. Um, in you know in my first 
other questions? Appreciate like to welcome you and and see we're really excited to be working with you and look forward to hearing what you have to say about how we move forward in the future. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Uh, next item on the agenda is a discussion about the Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Center Uniform Data Systems Summary Report. served at some of the, the AHS sites that are on the scope of services of our health care for the home county health care for the homeless program that's that subset of patients that are homeless that are getting primary care services at Eastmont Newark Hayward Highland Wellness same day clinic and some of the specialty care clinics are part of our larger Alameda County health care for the homeless program health center and the AHS and the Healthcare for the Home County Healthcare for the Homeless program work together through what's called a sub-recipient arrangements, in which case, and, under which the care provided at AHS for those patients is, is whole care. It's primary care, specialty care, enabling services, all the all the specialty and, and basic services that that people need are can all be provided at AHS. And then outside of HS, the rest of our health center takes over kind of engaging with people, finding people, doing outreach, um, providing other clinics, providing other specialty services like dental and, um, and optometry, um, and really kind of other types of services. Um, but overall, we're one large health center. And that shows every year when we do our annual report of the Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Health Center um, to the feds. And the numbers, what I'm gonna do is tell you a little, little bit about what our overall health center reported to the feds, and then I'll tease out a little bit of, a little bit of what parts of that care happened at AHS. Um, and through this kind of presentation of our, of our numbers from last year, calendar year 2019, we'll get an idea of really what is our larger health center doing, and how, do, how are things kind of structured, and what is also happening here at AHS. Um, so we estimate that there is probably somewhere between 20-something thousand and 30,000 people experienced homelessness at least one night during last year in Alameda County. That's a huge number of people that maybe were doubled up, maybe they were couch surfing temporarily and then got in back house, or maybe they were on the streets the entire time. There's a whole range, as you know, of, of homelessness. But the, the housing crisis has, has really shown us that there are thousands and thousands of people that experience homelessness um, in Alameda County right now in, in the last year. And that number is our estimate. 
What's not an estimate is the number of people that were seen a year ago, last year when we did the point in time count, and we counted over 8,000 people literally homeless that night. And then when you kind of extrapolate over there, you look at other sources of information like school, um, school homeless information, other health center utilization, and you do some kind of mathematics to kind of figure it out, it's easily over 25,000 people will experience some sort of homelessness. And of those 20 to 30,000 people, we touched almost 11,000, 10,827 people touched the healthcare, Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Health Center last year. About 50, 50, uh, 52 percent male, 58 percent female, um, the average age of those patients has been steadily increasing. Yeah, 48% female. What did I say? 58. 58, yeah. 48% female, 52% male. Now we're talking in great big averages now. Every, out of those 10,000 people, um, the average age was 47. That number, average age of people that we're seeing that are homeless is, is increasing every year for the last 10 years. It's going up higher and higher. So we have a situation now where over 14% of, of the patients served by our health center are over age 65. And that number, especially the number of, of seniors, over people over 60, is going up and up. Fastest growing part of our population that, that we're serving are people um, over age 60. 86% um, of the people that we serve throughout our county experiencing homelessness are a racial minority. African-American, about 34%. Latinx, about 31%. White folks, 15.5%. Asian, 12.5%. Um, that's, again, average stuff. The average person that we saw was about two-thirds of the patients that we saw throughout the county were people that were living doubled up, living, you know, staying place to place or having an impermanent, insecure housing situation. Um, about 22% of the people that our overall health center served were living on the streets. Um, and then 8% in transitional recovery programs, 4% on shelters, and then other, including hotels and permanent supportive housing, um, and who, people who got housed in our program, 2.5%. Um, about two-thirds of the patients that we serve overall throughout the county are insured. And that's a really interesting complete flip since 2014. When we started in 2014, about 13% of our patients had some sort of insurance. And now, two-thirds of our, of our patients have insurance um, because of the, the Affordable Care Act and the expansion of Medi-Cal to, um, to, all, to all types of people, except for people that are undocumented, who don't get insurance through, um, through Medi-Cal, but many of whom can access the health pack program to cover some of their costs. Um, language, about a third of our patients overall were served in a non-English language, so we're, we're not native English speakers. Um, we estimated for the first time this year that about 800 people, most all served here, but some of all on our in, our, in mobile health and our shelter health teams were migrant laborers, people that um, were here for that were traveling through with the seasons or that were day laborers kind of here and, and there and not citizens. We kept, we tracked that number, we estimated that number for the first time this year. We've, we've never tracked that number to before and we've never captured that number 
for real, where we ask people, are you a migrant laborer? Well, we estimated that number because this year, HRSA wanted to get an idea of how many migrant laborers you might be serving, um, because they're, they need to put more money into serving migrant laborers. So we came up with that number based on some algorithms that we, that we had. Um, about 175 veterans. So overall, through our health center, we, we touched 10,827 people in the county in 48,000 visits throughout the county. Um, our program is about 20, 21 staff members for Healthcare for the Homeless program, but our team, our network, the Healthcare for the Homeless network across the county, including all the AHS staff that touch homeless folks, including our contractors and our partners that are doing healthcare all over the county, is 126 FTEs, and that's five or 600 people that are out there working, touching homeless people in some, some ways. The large majority of all these numbers that I've just said are patients that are treated and touched at AHS. Um, that's the, the you, know, you know, roughly 60% of all of our patients, of our health center patients, are AHS patients. Um, so it cost us overall about $18 million to provide those 48,000 visits to 10,800 people. Um, AHS pulled in about an estimated $5.2 million in patient revenue, like Medi-Cal revenue from treating patients. And our overall health center-wide pulled in about $10 million to support our services through grants, county funding, and other sources of, of non-patient revenue to support the health center, to make it all work. Overall, we lose money every year. Um, this year, we lost less money on paper than, than before. Things are getting, reporting is getting tighter and things are looking a little bit more clear. Um, but overall, you know, homeless healthcare is not a profit for profit industry yet. Um, David, can you just say like, what, is, what does that difference represent? Who's, who's covering that cost? The difference between the 18 million and the 15 million? I think that the, the difference, well, if you look at our patient revenue, and patient revenue comes through AHS <coughs> patients and a little bit of trust clinic patients that, that we serve in downtown Oakland. Those are the two parts of our program that get patient revenue. And all of our grants is about $10,000, 10, $10 million. And so that adds up to about 15, almost 16, $15.5 million. But our costs are $18.8 million. I think we're, we're, we, got, we get dinged every year because they think that our costs are a little bit inflated. Um, so a cost of a typical patient visit, say AHS, will be, depending on what happened to that patient, they'll add this amount plus that amount plus that amount plus that amount. And we see that those costs seem to be a lot, an average of $600 a visit for, for patients. Also, we, we, we ascribe a cost to enabling services encounters and behavioral health in encounters that don't get reimbursed as well. So I think if you really got super precise, you would see that our actual costs are a little bit less than $18 million. That's what we're doing to kind of move the needle down is do more accurate reporting of our costs. Um, so, that's so how is that covered? Is that There's no coverage. There's no coverage. It's, it's kind of funny, funny money. Um, we don't have to balance that because basically, in the end, 
if, if, the, if the costs reported to us by AHS to serve the, the 8,000 something patients that you all served last year in 25,000 visits, if those costs were, were higher than the revenue you made, then you're gonna be looking for other, to other places to get, to get revenue, whether it's county general funds or other, other sources. But it's also just part of your larger overall cost. We just estimate how much it costs for the homeless folks. So there's no, there's no balancing or money lost. There's only money made, hopefully, someday. You know, when we, when we get everything really tight, we can bring in revenue for, for all the patients that we serve. Some, um, some, can I add one? Yeah. So sometimes when we're billing a Medi-Cal patient, there's um, payments will be made after the fact. So it might even move into the next program year. So in some cases, if that cost is matches up very well with the with the expenses, it's partially it's being reimbursed next year. So you might not see it in the same program year. That's the other thing that helps to cover. So I'll do a little bit of look at our program. I'm gonna. Um, at our healthcare for the homeless program to, to, to see what we did by kind of the main buckets of the overall healthcare for the homeless program. And then we'll see a little bit in that focus what AHS did in, in that. So overall on the top is our governance structure that includes that our program is federally funded health center program that's embedded in the health department, Alameda County Healthcare Services Agency. We're governed by a board just like you called a co-applicant board that shares its, its governing authority with the Board of Supervisors. Our, our governing board is called the Healthcare for the Homeless Commission. You're a part of our health center through a sub-recipient agreement, AHS um, Homeless Healthcare Services, and AHS's healthcare Homeless Healthcare Services are governed by your board who shares governing authority with the Board of Trustees. That's all that, that, that stuff on top. And we have a consumer community advisory board for our healthcare for the homeless program that also provides an, an advisory role to our um, services. Um, so the main buckets of our healthcare for the homeless program's work are street health, shelter health, primary care homes, specialty care services, and last but not least, the bureaucrats and administrators who make it all happen. No, to, to <laughs> enable it all to happen. Um, so a little bit of detail on each of those buckets. Street health, uh-huh. Um, just a question. Um, is there, um, is there um, a delineation or a separation between, when you say street health, do you mean the, 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 street, uh, the street teams, or are you talking about street teams and the mobile side? I'll tell you that right now. These, there is overlap, of course. Patients don't fit neatly into any one of these buckets, and it's, hope, it's our really deep desire to see that many patients can move between all these, these buckets, number one, and that's a goal of our program, is that wherever patients need help, the same patient will be able to get help in, in different areas that they need. But I'll start off by saying street health services is our, is has grown for our program tremendously in the last few years to, in response to the crisis of unsheltered homelessness in Alameda County. Um, and we are basically two things. 
Our own street health team, which is run by, by Healthcare for the Homeless Program County staff, and that's about eight people that have a street health team that does street medicine, street health services in downtown Oakland with a psychiatrist, a pharmacist, a nurse. Uh, now we've just hired a nurse, psychiatric nurse practitioner, um, two social workers, and an outreach worker who are a team that's, that's connecting on a regular schedule with encampment and street dwelling services in downtown Oakland. Um, we also have contracted teams. So we get some of our grant and we pay other health centers to do street health teams of their own. And so if you think of a county, a map of the county, we've divided that map into 10 different zones each zone is about the same number of unsheltered homeless people based on our um, point in time count. And each of those zones, our goal is to get a team that's connected to that zone. So last year, we had zones in downtown Oakland, East Oakland. Um, those, those two zones were run by um, teams hired by um, lifelong medical care. We had a South County, Fremont area team um, run by Tri-City Health Center. We had a mid-county team um, run by the Hayward area, run by Tiburcio Vasquez. And this year we're adding a Livermore East County, Alameda San Leandro, unincorporated Berkeley and North Oakland teams to that. We're in the process of rolling those teams out. And so by the end of this year we'll have 11 street health teams providing geographical, kind of schedule-based care to, to encampments and, and street sites through, throughout the county. So that's all street health. Um, that just kind of got started for real the middle of last year. So our numbers are, are, are kind of low this year on that because it was just getting started, um, the street health teams. So then you can from this, is it possible to say that that the you can really see a high concentration in downtown Oakland or East Oakland because there are teams specifically for yeah. the for Fremont? Exactly. Type yeah, teams. exactly. Like Oakland will have like six different teams, mm -hmm. and Livermore, Dublin, all, they have one team for that whole area physically. Is there a mechanism for you to see even the small number of folks that you've seen? Where, else, where they may have been seen in the past for primary care, for other services across the rest of the system? No, not yet. Um, we're, we're not part of our, our, our street health teams are all in implementing their own EHRs, electronic health records, and we still don't have a way to track people's utilization across systems, at least from our point of view. Um, the county is implementing a community health record that kind of can bring that together, but we're still not connected in that way. We can't do that yet. Um, overall, last year, our own street health team downtown saw 200, over 200 patients and 1,900 visits. The, the contracted street health teams saw about 570 patients and about 1,500 visits beginning in July of last year. Then we move over to the idea of shelter health. And the idea of shelter health is that Anybody who's experiencing homelessness, who's living or going to a shelter or getting homeless services in some sort of a, an environment of some sort, 
like a building of some sort of place in, in the county, should be able to get contact and connected with healthcare services wherever they are. And so we've really begun to re, redo that whole concept of shelter health, create a team that goes to different shelters, um, have some shelter health coverage, so we were advising shelters on how to do healthcare services better, and the AHS mobile service, mobile health van fits into that idea of shelter health. Because the mobile health van isn't like a street and encampment team, it's more of a clinical place that goes to places where people are already getting services. Drop-in centers, shelters, soup <laughs> kitchens, et cetera, et cetera. So the mobile health unit is part of our shelter health services. And our, we have our own shelter health team, we're hiring new people into that to do more behavioral health care and um, nursing care in shelters. And we have social workers doing enabling services and connecting people with services across the health center in, in, um, in shelters and other systems. So mobile and AHS mobile health is within that bucket that we call um, shelter health. Um, our, patient, our, our, our direct services folks touched about a thousand patients last year, and AHS Mobile Health, which was still just getting off the ground as AHS Mobile Health, um, if I put it in a, in a better way, um, touched 370, 360 <coughs> patients last year on those rounds, and is pretty much up and running now um, with, in 2020. So overall, we saw about 1,000 patients in our shelter health services. The next big bucket is primary care homes. The idea that everybody who's experiencing homelessness should get connected to a primary care home. And by far, it, within our health center, the largest number of primary care homes that are accessible to people experiencing homelessness are AHS clinics. Um, Highland, Eastmont, Hayward, and Newark Wellness um, clinics. Um, and in those clinics, about 60, Five FTEs and you know a few hundreds of people in the AHS system touch people experiencing homelessness. We also have our an, a, a clinic in downtown Oakland at 14th and Franklin Street called the Trust Clinic, and that's a specific special homeless-focused um, primary care clinic where people can get access to not just primary care services but enabling services, housing services, behavioral health services, um, lawyers to to connect them to. Um, to benefits and a, and a bunch of other services in kind of a one-stop shop. And that in that clinic, we, we um, touched about 1,500 patients last year. That, that clinic is really getting off the ground. But overall, AHS um, touched 6,700 patients in the primary care setting last year in about 18,000 visits. Finally, for clinic-wise, Specialty care services are an increasingly important part of the range of healthcare services that, that people experiencing homelessness should be able to get and need. Um, because we have a growing aging population and we have an increasingly comorbid in population, which means they have a lot of different diseases and worse diseases, um, more and more people are, that are experiencing home, homelessness have diabetes and a, and a mixture of other other diseases because of those reasons they need access to specialty healthcare services like endocrinology neurology nephrology and all the kind of cardiology lung clinics stuff like that 
all, those, all that care that you get here at AHS, that specialty care, um, in addition to specialty care, in that way, there's dental and optometry specialty care services as well. So we provide dental in our program through a mo through mobile dental program and um, a contracted dental provider. Our embedded staff does dental case management for a lot of dental um, patients that need support through their dental treatment. Um, we do optometry in a clinic and at AHS. Um, AHS also has the dental clinic here, um, and AHS's specialty care clinic, like I told you before. Overall, we, we served about 500 dental patients last year, about 1,000 optometry patients, most of those here at AHS, about 800, 700 of them, um, and about 3,000 patients got specialty care services here at, at AHS. In addition to dental and optometry. Not all of those specialty care patients were people that were AHS patients. There's oftentimes people experiencing homelessness who have need specialty care who are getting care somewhere else, like the Trust Clinic or a Lifelong or Asian Health Center, Tri-City. They come here for their specialty care and then go back to their, their clinic as well um, if they get that specialty care here. So uh, maybe I should know this already, but what's that FTE? For specialty care? Oh, when I say FTE, what does that mean? Yeah. Uh, Full-time equivalent. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, that means like how many people worked a 40-hour week all year long doing that care. Okay. The number. So like 800 people maybe were involved in the care, but they just did a little bit here and there, and that adds up to 120 full-time equivalents. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, really every single provider and every single staff member in our system for ambulatory care is a it's just that a proportion of their time goes to taking care of people experiencing homelessness, and a proportion of their time goes to people who aren't experiencing homelessness. <coughs> in many, in many respects, everybody here is a is a healthcare for the homeless provider. Gotcha. Um, so, woven through our health center program is behavioral health care. So, some patients get behavioral health care services here by LCSW, licensed clinical social worker, psychiatrist, or psychologist here at AHS. We also embed psychiatry and uh, mental health services at the Trust Clinic and in some of our street health teams as well. So, we try to weave behavioral health care through the system of care. Um, we try to weave substance use services through this system of care. So, um, last year, doesn't say, um, but a good number of uh, people experiencing homelessness got medication-assisted treatment for opiate use dis disorders here at AHS. I think it was about 140 patients, and a good number of them got services, those kinds of opiate-related services, support services at our trust clinic downtown. But then there's also just how many patients that were diagnosed with, with substance use disorders and got extra substance abuse services as a part of their care as well. That happens hopefully more and more at, at every touch. Um, that's our goal. Um, back to the contractors and, and the administrators of our program. Overall, almost 11,000 patients and 48,000 visits. Um, in AHS, that's about 8,300 patients and I think 26,000 visits. Um, and like, like I pointed to, most of those patients are primary care homes, about 6,400 patients experiencing homelessness got primary care services here, about 
2,200 patients got specialty care services, and about 400 patients got mobile health services um, overall. So that's, I hope that's a useful way of kind of looking at the larger picture of healthcare for the homeless services and to see where AHS kind of fits into our larger countywide um, healthcare services for people experiencing homelessness last year. Those are our 2019 numbers. Um, with the push for increased trauma centers, or is there remaining thoughts around that, whether that's going to become a primary service Trauma center, um, because I'm there is going to be a lot of trauma. In well, tr when I think of trauma center, I think of like emergency department services for people that have had a traumatic injury, like a car accident or shooting. Is that what you mean by trauma? No. Or trauma informed care trauma for people that have, yeah. yeah. And, Especially and if you're looking at there's veterans that are part of. Yeah, okay, good. Um, so if you look at like behavioral health care and substance use, how those are woven through our health center, that would be the idea that trauma-informed care and the way that we, that we understand that a lot of our patients are gonna have sustained some sorts of trauma in their lives, it should be woven into our, our health center care. Some places that's super explicit, like at the trust clinic and in our street outreach teams where they're very aware of that, other places like maybe primary care here at, at Highland Wellness or, or Isma, it might not be the first thing that, that you think of when you're serving patients. But, um, and I think Damon's gonna be really taking a look at this. When patients come in and they, they know that there's, home, that there's homelessness involved in their situations, probably like you do with every patient, but maybe even more, we'll try to tease out, like, is there trauma in your, in your situation? And can we support you in that? And can we create a trauma-informed environment as well? Um, <coughs> there aren't any more questions. We're all, we're all busy right now with the COVID response um, on the county-wide level, um, working with the county to do the shelter health thing, inform shelters of how to make their their living environment safer for people that might be um, getting sick or prevent them from getting sick. We're doing outreach um, and getting outreach providers all on board in terms of messaging, trying to get resources for folks like hand washing stuff, air masks for people, or not masks, but protection for people that are um, sick and that need to cover up their coughs. Um, and doing a lot of work in preparing, looking at like, like Damon was saying, what, where would people go if we tell them, go home and stay home if you're sick? All right, David, thank you so yeah. much. I'm so we're working say, on that, yeah. Um, I'm gonna do Alex, Alexander's speech right now. So the right. purpose is really to make sure the public can participate in conversations and unfortunately, since we didn't put that on the agenda, we'll keep it in front of us. Thank you. Thank you, David, for the report. Uh, we're now going to move to agenda item E, the program report by Heather McDonald. All right, and so um, you're gonna notice as we as we transition our, our, our leadership team, we've changed the name, the program report done by your practice manager. Um, we'll make some adjustments to other, other administrative things on our, our 
paperwork as well. Um, we don't have any known findings right now for HRSA compliance. We did just complete our first quarter site visit with Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program, and um, there weren't any indicators during that meeting that would suggest that we have any findings at this point. Um, we haven't received the report for that one yet. And in the meantime, we did also receive the report from the fourth quarter monitoring visits that also found no HRSA compliance findings. So we got that report from the last meeting that we did. So that's the update for that. Our mobile health clinic completed 84 clinical patient encounters in February. And um, there's a typo here that I'm noticing right now. I'm sorry, that's 99 enabling patient encounters for February. I've often used the same report and I'm now seeing that error. So I will correct it when I have it up to you. Um, we're still working on the validation of our mapping for our 2020 UDS data. So we've completed year 2019, which means now for 2020, our electronic health system needs, in some cases, there are some new quality metrics. There are some new things that we're asked to count on. And so we need to map and make sure that the information is flowing correctly. Um, and so we're still mapping that and validating that. Um, so that's what's happening right now with our, our EPIC UDS 2020, so that we can start reporting out as each quarter goes along, we see the progress <coughs> we're making towards those quality metrics required by UDS. And we're expecting that there's gonna be an update to the EPIC Foundation system in May that's gonna include the social determinants of health wheel. There's a wheel in EPIC that shows social determinants of health, and there's a section that is for housing that is not currently present that will be there starting in May. So it's gonna improve our ability to identify and care for patients experiencing homelessness on the clinical side. We've been working, as I mentioned to you last month, working on promoting our program in, uh, for the gala coming up on May 2nd, Saturday. It will be taking place in Pleasanton. I'm bringing this to your attention again now to remind you about it because I will be pushing out some information to you so that you can additionally promote the event or ask people who are interested in supporting people experiencing homelessness specifically through our mobile clinic so that they have an oppor uh, opportunity to participate financially, make donations or contributions. Um, and in addition, we have 10 seats <coughs> that are available to represent our program and we would be delighted if one of our CAB board members would fill one of those seats. And so I'm hoping that next month, now that I've told you, you can check your calendars, go home. Um, but next month you'll, you can um, nominate and elect somebody to go to the gala with us to represent our program. So yeah. can you guide us in like a separate email specifically for that? Or again, thank you. I will send follow up with the date and a reminder
will be reporting the same data, and so you can compare across organizations and across systems what's happening nationally or in other places as compared to others. So that's why we have a system, uniform data system. Good. Fantastic. You ready to move on to F? Okay. So last month we talked about our performance goals for 2020 that were in our substance abuse improvement. And one of the things that was in our performance goals is to create action plans for some of the goals. And so we created action plans. We also discussed last month about um, you having the opportunity to review and approve them. And so this is an action item. Um, so we're gonna go over it now. So um, I wanna make sure that you have enough time with it because this is an action item that you understand what the plan is and that you feel comfortable making a decision to approve it, okay? So why don't we go ahead and do this. Let's make a motion to approve both plans. Uh, we'll get someone to say from once that happens, we'll open up for discussion. Does that sound like fun? Mm -hmm. okay. I'm sorry, we're making a motion to approve the plan. To approve yes, this plan? So that we can open it up for discussion. Because typically what happens is in order for us to be able to discuss it uh, and you know make changes that's necessary, <coughs> an amendment is necessary, then we have to make a motion to approve it with someone seconds. Then at that point, now the group has an opportunity to discuss and recommend changes. And then once, let's say, if a uh, an amendment is required, then we will have to re-amend the motion to say something else around. So you know, we approve the motion with the following recommendations in section and so and so on. Yeah, so the motion is for us to approve uh, action plan for goal C, specifically an action plan for goal F. And then we need someone to say second. Okay, so now we can open it for discussion. Okay, do you want me to present them to you so that you can see them in detail? And then we can discuss it? Okay, so the Alameda Health System is committed to developing mechanisms to carry out our health center specification experience surveys and other mechanisms to evaluate health center patient satisfaction experience. And that is the goal in goal C of our subrecipient agreement. And so the, the performance um, goal said that AHS would do that. And so this is where we say, yes, we will do that. We're committed to doing that. And uh, one of the core principles that we wanted to outline is that Alameda Health System does use a validated patient experience survey for all patients. And Alameda Health System's mission is to caring, healing, and teaching all. So embedded in our mission is caring, healing, and teaching all. And we use a survey that is validated for all people. Um, we want to make sure that it is explicit in our systems that all include people experiencing homelessness. So we just wanted to make that obvious and call it out. All includes people experiencing homelessness. 
our expectations or what we will do, so it's not much as we will, use our existing system of quality improvement related to CG CAP scores. CG CAPs, you're gonna see at the bottom, there's a little footnote, it tells you what it is. That's a survey that's used nationally across systems, um, and it helps us, again, to compare ourselves to other systems, and we use that system here at Alameda Health System. Um, yes, and so we have a way that we use quality improvement mechanisms to address CG CAP scores in a meeting called the Ambulatory Operations Council and Ambulatory Quality Council. And the leadership teams at each site do something called Plan, Do, Study, Act. It's called um, PDSA. And they create opportunities. They, they look at the root causes of a score being low and they determine an action plan. They test it to see if it's working and then they look to see what the results are. This is how we move some of our uh, metrics forward. When we see that there's a low score for patient satisfaction, we want to know why is that a low score, what is it related to, and we're looking at the specific questions in the CGCAP survey to understand the responses we're getting from patients. So the idea is that we are going to, um, the Alameda Health System, Health Center Homeless Program Leadership Team, that's Damon and I, will be working with local site leaders to assess the CGCAP scores and make sure that their plans when they're making a PDSA related to the CGCAP scores include people experiencing homelessness explicitly. That when they're considering improving that, that score and they're trying to figure out why is it, tell us more about what do you think that means for people experiencing homelessness, what are your um, activities you're gonna do to improve the score, and what about the people experiencing homelessness, how will this impact them, will they be able to participate in this or how will this work for people experiencing homelessness so that it's included in their action plan. Does that make sense? So that's one thing we're planning to do in this action plan is to work with our existing system using existing scores, working with our leaders in a, in a system we already use and being very explicit in their action plans to include people experiencing homelessness. And so with that, then we have a timeline. One, getting your approval on the action plan. Two, um, meeting with our ambulatory leaders, that would be Catherine and Paula, to lead us to say when in this calendar year could we are we going to be addressing CGCAP scores as a quality improvement activity and getting that scheduled out. And once we know that, we're able to update the rest of the plan to say if we're expecting to do that work this, this particular month, and so therefore we will be reporting back to you. <coughs> and so you'll see that part of the requirement of our action plan was also to report quarterly, so I've built that in automatically as well to let you know quarterly what's happening with each of these parts of the plan. So that's number one on the action plan. There's more to it. That's one item. One thing that we are going to do. Yeah, Mark? No, I'll wait. I'll, I'll okay. Number two, what we are planning to do is to use again the system that we use, which is the CGCAP scores, to use proxy data stratification so uh, people experiencing homelessness may be primarily, as David showed us in our, in our data, may be primarily um, of racial minorities. And so if we were to look at our CGCAP data and pull out our racial minorities, does it look different from the whole set? And if it does, can we use that as say, this might more reflect the people experiencing homelessness. We might um, use gender. Um, if it's 
more, the street, the homeless is more male as compared to female, we might say, well, what do, what does our data set say that, that male, the male response is to satisfaction at our system? Um, we have to assess which one might be the right one, so I'm not telling you which data set we're using, I'm saying this is what we're going to look at to see what does it look like specifically for our people experiencing homelessness. Can we kind of match a data set that looks more like our people experiencing homelessness to then have this smaller picture of their responses? Make sense? Similarly then, and this is also a strategy that's used by Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program for some of the larger county reports that they will similarly, if they have a large data set that says, this is what the whole county says, they will use this subset to say, well, people experiencing homelessness, their responses may more closely match this set. So we'll use that as to approximate what their responses are. So then our plan is to get approval from you and meet with our business intelligence leader so that we can see what kind of data sets are available and review them and see what the results of that are to determine what is the best data set to use as a proxy system. And then report the results of the CGCAS scores on a quarterly basis after that. And the expectation is that when we're reporting those back, we're saying this is what we think people experiencing homelessness are saying about their um, experience here at Alameda Health System, knowing that it's this approximate set. It may not be specifically people experiencing homelessness, but a group that looks like them. The third thing we're going to do in regard to this. performance measure is to implement, um, to supplement the plan patient experience survey that's going to be distributed at mobile health clinics. So there is already a plan to distribute a health experience survey at mobile clinic that's developed by Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless program that was developed uh, very closely with consumers. And so it is um, intended to reflect very strongly the priorities of people experiencing homelessness in the clinic setting, right? So what we would like to do is supplement that and add something. And so they'll give us feedback on what is your experience at the mobile health clinic. And if you are also a patient at Alameda Health System and you come to our other clinics, tell us a little bit more about your experience there. And so we're going to work with Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program since they're, they have the development of the initial survey to see if we can supplement that and just add on for those patients who we do see at our other clinics, an opportunity to give some feedback and use that as kind of a focus group of patients that are both seen at mobile and also seen in our other system um, because we see them in multiple places. We're hoping that they are supportive of answering questions about both services. Um, we meet with the Alameda County Monthly, so the expectation is we're going to use that um, monthly meeting to, to determine the timeline for when we might be able to push that, supplement that, make that supplemental survey and push that out. And from there, we would report back out quarterly as well. But that uh, timeline is really dependent upon, one, if they say, yes, we can do that, that makes sense to us, we'd like to help with that. And, and find out what the realistic feasibility timeline will be for that. This is that one measure, it's a performance measure C. 
The fourth thing is that uh, Alameda Health System, Healthcare for the Homeless Center leaders are gonna work with Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless programs to determine mutual long-term goals related to quality improvement for patient experience, and they're gonna do that during most of the meetings. <coughs> and they're looking to put out the results of that. And so there are four action items in this one want to stop on that one let's do that do that performance goal first and then we'll do the next one which one so the four the four um the four action items for <coughs> goals please Which is why we're proposing a proxy survey, you know, or a proxy group, something that might more closely match the demographics of people experiencing homelessness, and that's a method that's used by other programs. Uh, and in terms of, uh, for your first one, when you say you're using for consideration of people experiencing homelessness, mm -hmm. uh, could you be a little bit more specific on what that is? So for example, one of the drivers of a patient experience or maybe that clinicians are able to, uh, the clinicians call their patient back within 24 hours of a method, or that the clinic, it's not always the provider, it won't always be the doctor who calls you back, but when a patient calls and leaves a message for their doctor, they would like to hear back from that, from that clinic within 24 hours. And the, there are, um, Catherine, how many questions on the CGCAT survey? About 20. Thank you. So of the 20, so there are 20 questions, and one of them will, will be drilling down to this idea of are you getting the callback that you want from your, from your provider? And it may be that no, no. People in our clinic generally say they're not getting the response that they want. And so the clinic itself is saying, well, how do we improve our call response time to patients? We really want our patients to rate us higher. We want them to have a better experience. We want them to hear from us. They're, they're saying they're not hearing from us. We're getting this feedback from them. They say we don't call them back in a timely way. What do we do? So in that determination of what, well, so what do they do? They may come up with a plan to um, have a specific medical assistant responsible for all phone calls um, and that they're on the job to respond to these phone calls. Great. Um, how does that impact people experiencing homelessness? So that would be the first question that we would have with them. What do you think about people experiencing homelessness? Do you think that, do 
you'll be able to get back to them within 24 hours? What are some of the barriers to returning a call to a person experiencing homelessness? Have you experienced problems getting back to people experiencing homelessness after they've left you a message? Are they even calling in? So it's really having that discussion with them to determine whatever action steps they put in place, will they, would they also meet the needs of a person experiencing homelessness or are there additional barriers that they, they're being homeless that they can imagine and therefore fill in some additional action steps. Does that help? that we will get different answers 
and whether or not the answers that we don't get with this survey, we could find some other way to glean other answers that we may not get with this survey that may make that might make them make our um, the conclusions we draw from the surveys more succinct. If that makes sense. Or am I so what maybe I, what I'm not I, putting I, my question the right way? No, I, I think that's a good question. Um, I think um, the PDSA process itself is one way of doing that, right? So the, the clinical director and the practice manager who are trying to respond, we've gotten this rating about our callback rates or about the cleanliness of the clinic or about this other thing. Uh, okay. When you do the plan, part of the plan do study act cycle, you add all the other information that you know into the into the data point that you're looking at. Uh, I see. And that's a way to include that richer sort of experience these, the teams you know, that are doing PDSA cycles in the wellness centers are also composed of staff at multiple levels of the organization. So you also will get the medical assistant's perspective that maybe is different from the doctor's perspective or the nurses or the pharmacist to incorporate into the planning process. And so we didn't, wanna, we didn't wanna specify the specific data so that we could kind of get to that large level of richness oh, and do it in an efficient way, in okay. a way that taps into what people already know, what they're already doing in clinic. Um, by just making them say, we want you to consider this and we want it to be part of what you're doing in the planning process. Oh, we know you're gonna bring this you know, rich, varied experience to those considerations. And it's gonna be different at Hayward than it is at, in, at Highland, and different there than it is at York. Okay. Thank you.
you know, we can match that up with number one. So number one and number three are gonna probably inform each other, right? Then there's the reality of well, what are we trying to accomplish for people experiencing homelessness in regards to their experience? And this we want to know more from Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless Program. Did they, are they, what are they going for? What are they looking at? What are they hoping to improve for people experiencing homelessness based on the data that we're collecting? Um, through these different mechanisms and using this proxy. So, so that's one of the reasons we're having these multi-pronged approaches. I just want to emphasize the all part. So the typical, um, still, even with the very large numbers, the typical experience of homelessness is much less than a year. Um, so most of that 10% who are health center patients over the course of a year that we report on them in a uniform data system report are not homeless for most of that year, right? They, it's, it's a subset of our patients who are experiencing generally more severe problems in life in general that are causing them to have a bout of homelessness for a period of time. Now there are a subset of people like in mobile health who are homeless for longer periods of time who tend to be on the sicker or more you know, economically distressed part of that spectrum, right? And we have a special mechanism for getting there. But it really is our responsibility actually not to create two-tiered systems, right? It's our responsibility to create a system that works for everyone and make sure that in doing that, we have a focus on people experiencing homelessness. So we, we wanted to make sure that we were leveraging the process that everyone's using so that people understand this is something that happens to a lot of people in your clinic all the time. This is a regular part of what you do. This isn't a special project for Heather and David, right? This is, this is what it means to provide ambulatory care here. Over the course of four or five years, it's probably gonna be up to 20 or 30% of your patients, not just 10% that have experience about a homelessness. Right, over a lifetime prevalence of alley nail system. It's nearly you know, a third or more probably of our patients that are experiencing homelessness at once. So we really wanna get in this idea that this is, a, this is all of us in the ambulatory care systems that are doing this work and this is about all of us doing it. So that was, that's a major reason that we wanna actually leverage the existing process that we're using. That makes sense. My only concern was uh, that what they need, it doesn't get lost because they're such a small sample of the entire thing, but that makes sense. So now what we can do, we can, unless there are any other questions, we can go ahead and proceed, and Ian, you can make a, you know, you can just ask the group if everyone is in favor of approving, uh, you know, the first plan for goal, or the, approve the action plan for goal C. All in favor of approving the action plan for approval for performance goal C. Aye. 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 Motion passes. Right. Thanks to you guys. You're doing good work. I know I'm keeping you late today. Not later than the meeting goes, but certainly longer than sometimes we get to work. So, um, for F. All right, there we go. Um, so this is um, similarly related to patient grievances and adverse events. So Alameda Health System is committed to developing and or enhancing mechanisms to carry out health center specific evaluation, resolution, and reporting of grievances and adverse events that affect health center patients. So we are referring to goal F, this point forward. 
Similarly, we want to recognize our core principle in that Alameda Health System uses a HRSA-compliant system to report grievances and adverse events for patients, and that our mission is caring, healing, uh, caring, healing, and teaching all. And we want to make sure, similarly, that homeless patients are a part of that all, and as Damon had just described very eloquently, thank you, that patients experiencing homelessness, we need to not create a two-tiered system, that we need to keep our systems, use the systems that we have in place and make sure that everybody's included in that so that it's sustainable. It's one of the ideas is just the sustainability. If we create side systems, they're not sustainable if anything should happen to the funding for our program. We continue, we want to continue to have people, all people served in this way, right? Okay, so using the existing MIDAS system to report quarterly patient grievances and adverse events. We are going to build and validate a report. We do think in this case that based on the system that we have, that MIDAS is able to extrapolate based on medical record numbers because we do have, um, it's an in-house system that will be able to, to provide a subset report specific to those patients that we're counting in our EDS report. So that's the system that we're gonna be using. And then we will be reporting the results to you on a quarterly basis. Um, whatever um, report that is generated by patient grievances and adverse events, that will be made available to us upon request? We're gonna report out to you um, quarterly. It will be de-identified information um, if we're reporting and it's probably gonna be summarized. If there's specific information that you feel you need um, and you discover it through meetings or discussions from the reports, then we'll follow up at that point. But um, we need to see what the reports look like first. I'm sorry? We need to see what the reports look like. We haven't done this report yet. So oh, I'm right, not right. sure how useful it's gonna be to you. Right, no, I'm just saying if that once the report is generated and we determine that it, it is, um, that, that um, the information gathered is valuable, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I personally would like to be able to um, look at the results or, yeah, yeah I'd you're like gonna to see, see the results of it. You're gonna see the results quarterly. So okay. as part of this plan, it is to report the results to you each quarter. Okay. And to Alameda County Healthcare for Homeless Program. Oh, and we're reporting other, to two groups. And one other question: um, mm -hmm. uh, the Midas, uh, the Midas system spoken of, uh, the generate sub report. Of course, mm -hmm. this is apparently obviously different from uh, Epic, which is uh, which is having to do with medical records. And this is another system uh, known as Midas, which is to gather this particular type of information. Is that correct? Correct. That one's easy. There's only one thing we're doing in regards to that. All right, we'll do the same. We'll if there are other questions, we can go ahead and proceed with asking the group if the points in agreement. Uh, all in favor of approving the plan to address Goal F for patient grievance and adverse effects? Aye.
comments from the collaborators here in this? In that case, uh, we adjourn the meeting for um, today at. Oh, one second. I'm sorry. I just have one more real quick question. Um, I was just wondering what the, um, when you were talking about the um, use of uh, CG, uh, CHPS proxy group, um, that group hasn't been selected. Um, Correct. And <coughs> will we be informed when that group is? Yes. And who they are and what they, what, okay. All right, so, and then this is just an application and reminder of the California brand up. Unfortunately, once the board has made a decision on an item on the agenda, it's no longer up for discussion. So my advice to the, to the group would be, you know, please be sure to ask, you know, the questions that are relevantly important. At the board. time. Yeah, exactly. And then the other thing that I do want to remind the group I'm, is... I'm still learning. No, it's okay. We're all, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm no, we're, we're all learning. The other I'm thing still is learning. a reminder is we do submit these documents to you farther in advance. We encourage you to review them so that by the time we meet here, you're making a fully informed decision. And, you know, we, we also encourage you to come up with several questions. You know, you know that's part of your fiduciary duty as board members. Okay. Thank you. So we adjourn the meeting at 7 